0: Welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. You're here with your host Liam and Bill, and Bill, welcome. You managed to make it to the podcast without sinking twenty beers and getting caught by the cops. Hello, Jordan Degoe.
1: Yeah, I've got beer in my hand now, but I've have managed to uh, to avoid the cops. Uh, that's for sure.
0: Tagoe a he's in a bit of trouble at the moment because last season he had the getting drunk and getting caught in the brawl and saying that he hurt his hand playing with his dogs rather than punching someone, and he's gone and done it again.
1: Yes, a bit of a wild child, I guess. Uh, had a few Pies fans over the years tell me that they rate him very highly, so a bit of a disappointing news for the Collingwood Football Club.
0: Is it the uh, Rat Pack maybe making a comeback, or is it a soul rat?
1: Uh, don't call it a comeback, mate. They've been here for years.
0: It's interesting to see him. He blew, like, what, twice the legal limit, and I know these professional athletes really have, like, a decent amount of alcohol tolerance, you know, a lot of muscle to soak up the alcohol. He would have been drinking, like, at least more than four standard drinks in the first hour and more than two every other hour to hit yeah. that number.
1: I'm not actually so sure on that. Like, for my experience going out with a few boys who, who play footy at you know, a bit of competitive level, not necessarily AFL level, but they've got no body fat, so uh, some of them can't handle the drink too well. Plus, obviously, they don't really drink too often throughout the year, so, um, you know, it could be a chance that he's a bit of a lightweight.
0: Maybe. Comes with a few other boys. Jai Simpkins, another one who will be sitting on the alcohol ban for the year after getting in another drunken incident.
1: Yeah, obviously North won't be happy with that. Uh, Jai Simkin, another similar to Degoe, you know, top draft pick and uh, supposed to be a very talented player, so a bit unfortunate for them.
0: As we mentioned in the last podcast, Dan Hanabry went the year without the beer last year and sort of had a terrible stats-wise, so we'll wait to see how Jordan Degoe and Jai Simkin go. Coming out with the stats, if they're sitting off the beers for a while.
1: Yeah, put a bit of pressure on themselves for sure. We'll see how they bounce back this year.
0: Had a couple of other players' news come out during the week, and one of them's uh, one of my boys, Nathan Freeman, who's done his hammy again.
1: Yeah, so obviously unfortunate news for Nathan Freeman, Um, done another hamstring injury, and that's what puts it at like three or four in the past couple of years.
0: Yeah, he just just can't get himself fit, it seems, that every time he's on top of it, and he's sort of done every training session, and I've started to let him loose at full speed, it's it's just a horror setback, and it's sort of career-ending stuff at this point, isn't it?
1: Yeah, disappointed for uh, for Freeman there, and uh, with obviously with the extreme pace that he's got, probably would have been one of the boys well suited to the AFLX comp that we just saw kick off this weekend.
0: Yeah, first time we got a look at it. Um, what did you make of the format? Do you think it was well received, or did people think that it was a bit of a slow sort of change compared to the tackling style of AFL football that we're used to?
1: Yeah, so I watched uh, a little bit of it, and um, you know, it was it was entertaining for preseason season and stuff. I'm, I'm not too crazy about it, but. I will read you a bit of a quote here, Liam, because I knew you were a bit high on it beforehand. And this is uh, Offsiders columnist Richard Hines on ABC.com. He said, If you wanted to kill AFL stone dead, surely you would turn it into this hollow, unappealing, pressure-free, atmosphere-deficient, oval-in-a-rectangle-hole yawn fest. (laughs) AFLX is a nothing of a game.
0: (laughs) It's pretty apt. I mean, when I was watching it, it sort of just looked like I was watching training. It's lots of people, like, kicking around to each other, lots of... um, no pressure going on and sort of shot to goal constantly. It's, it was like I was watching training, really.
1: Yeah, a few of the club's uh, coaches and that have come out and saying that, you know, it's, it's quite similar to the stuff they've been doing in training anyway. So um, I think some of them definitely did see it as a, a training run, probably especially the Western Bulldogs who sent over one of the most inex- inexperienced sides you'll ever see.
0: Yeah, we saw a few interesting like captains coming out. I think Liam Duggan was West Coast captain and you know he's not the most experienced player going around, so they definitely didn't send their top-notch players. We didn't see any Dangerfields or Martins taking the field.
1: Yeah, and Jack Watts, captaining Port Adelaide in his first game for the club in a relatively interesting move, managed to play pretty well.
0: I found that I had to watch the game on mute because BT and Braveshaw just couldn't stop saying, Zuper goal and Zuper, oh, they're going for a Zupa, another Zuper. If I heard that word one more time, I think it actually turned me off, Zuper duper, hearing that word so many times.
1: Yeah, not a huge fan of the Zupa goal myself or of BT, so I tend to <laughs> mute it whenever I hear BT commentating.
0: How much do you think that would have cost Zuper duper to get there? brand name into the actual rules of a game surely that's a multi-million dollar buy-in
1: don't even want to think about it
0: (laughs) some other things we saw on the weekend was they came out with their patented silver balls the silver balls were the big thing they started with and they lasted one 20 minute game before they gave them the ass
1: yeah silver balls booted pretty quick and um understandably so like just a bit you know not really a great color for a ball a bit difficult to see
0: not only that, but watching it, it was sort of like a little dewy, a little damp, and players at full speed were trying to bounce the ball, and it didn't have any grip on it because it's like that smooth surface, and it just slid, and no one could bounce it. Players all said it was smaller and floating around in the air. I just surely the AFL took the ball out at night time and had a kick with it, and could, you could have just told this before they started.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean. Obviously, you know, if you've probably been listening to the podcast for a few weeks now, you'll understand that I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the decisions that the AFL make. And, you know, I'm not really surprised that they've, uh, they've gone ahead with the silver ball option.
0: Um, what did you make of the fast paced scoring we saw? It was sort of like goal back to back. We saw uh, in the first game, we saw Watts kick a super goal, then Stewart, and then Watts all in the space of a minute. It was pretty high scoring and fast.
1: Yeah, it was definitely high scoring, definitely fast footy. Um, I, yeah, I didn't mind it, you know, as something in terms of, you know, watching in the preseason, just get a look at the players. Um, I remember watching the Sydney Bulldogs game and, and having Dan, Dan Rampy kick like about two or three super goals within a couple of minutes. That was super goals, I guess. Um, yeah, that was pretty exciting and, and good to see. But, you know, for the most part, like it, it's a training drill and, and it is what it is.
0: I think from watching it, the one thing I took out of it was it looked super fun to play, but sort of boring to watch. It'd be that sort of thing where if you're in the park and you're having to run around, kicking a lot of goals, you're not. there wasn't a lot of tackling or pressure putting on, which the players seemed fine with being preseason, but it seemed like it would have been a bit fun to play. But, uh, you know, as a spectacle, I don't think it lived up to the hype, really.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they go with it from here. Um, obviously, the AFL pushing it a little bit as a, uh, you know, overseas sort of flavor for the game, but... Um, you know, I'll be interested to see what what they do with it from here as a product.
0: So a couple of the new rules that we saw brought in here, the first was the actual like last touch out of bounds. So not quite like the women's we saw, the basketball style, when it came off your hands it went out of bounds, it was the other player's ball. Do you think that worked in this format or worked in football in general?
1: I mean, this format, I like it um, just because, you know, the whole game seems to be built around just, yeah, the speed of the game and, and getting as high a score as possible really um, seems to be what they want. So I think it worked for this. In terms of bringing it into you know, actual AFL games or even having the rule in the AFLW, i I'm not so sure. Um, it seems like one of those maybe bit gimmicky preseason rules to me.
0: One of the things that I saw during this game that was sort of interesting, because I, I wouldn't be too surprised if we see this interpretation come into the regular AFL sooner or later, but it was sort of as soon as somebody got the ball in space and got tackled... Without prior opportunity, they sort of called holding the ball every time. We didn't see many balls up. We saw when the player got the ball, now were hot and they got tackled. It was sort of a turnover. So I'll be interested to see in the future whether the AFL brings that sort of quicker interpretation, less sort of prior opportunity, um, sort of a rule in terms of holding the ball.
1: Yes, that seems to be something that the AFL's been shifting towards. You know, slowly over the past couple of years, but they have just come out uh, recently. Saw that they've announced no new rule changes for 2018, which. Yeah, I'm happy with I'm fine with uh you know, not tinkering with the game too often.
0: Yeah, I think it's everyone needed a break from the constant rule changes. Um so yeah, it was just high scoring AFLX, I think that's the main thing I would take from it. We saw about a dozen goals in the twenty minute game go by, so you'd see if you're taking that to the equivalent in the AFL you'd be seeing seventy two goals a match in terms of the full time AFL spectacle. So you're seeing at least three times the regular scoring than you see in the normal game, so in terms of fans getting to see people kick goals and they could kick it from halfway and kicking it the Zupa from outside 40, you know, that's a regular shot for these AFL players.
1: Yeah, so we mentioned Dane Rampey just before, um, kicking quite a few Zupa goals and, and there was a few others too. Um, Lucky Whitfield was incredibly impressive playing for the Giants, obviously covers the ground pretty well and um, I read that in, in across the two games that he played, he picked up 31 touches and managed to kick five goals and a couple of those zupers. so He obviously did pretty impressive. Is there any other players, Lee, that you saw thought maybe were in pretty good form?
0: Yeah, there was a lot. And sort of sticking with the rampy sort of style, we saw a few of those sort of halfback style players who could read the ball very well coming from defense and then kick those long super goals. In one of the first games, we saw Kelly from the Crows who was really good at that. He could launch the long ball and was really good at defending in the air. So that sort of led me to believe that a lot of those sort of dashing defender types and sort of players who can defend and then kick the long ball are well suited to it. I mean, we saw Daniel Rich and Shane Savage as two others who were really good at um, kicking those long super ball, super goals by foot and using their skills out of defense while still having a defensive sort of mindset. And they were really well suited.
1: Yeah, I did note down your boy, Shane Savage. Hard she name well to say. Well. I did pretty well. You're um, talking to the big bombs. Mitch Robertson had a huge one to win the game uh, for Brisbane against Richmond. He's, you know, dubbed that. I mean, it looks a bit more impressive because the the marker on the ground is 40 meters, but yeah, that was a good 50 50 meter kick from uh, Mitch Robinson to win that game.
0: Yeah, it was the first time we saw the 10 pointer sort of really come into play, where the lines were down by more than um, six points, and in order to get them across the line, which was to get them into that grand final in the end that um that 10 point pointer was needed and he kicked it i think with 20 seconds to go so uh, first time we saw the big 10 pointer for the win
1: so just quick we'll run through a few other names that uh players that look to be in good form or just do a few nice things that might have people uh you know watching for maybe making the best 22 or even super coach reasons uh, one of them that i was particularly impressed with was with harry Deere from adelaide crows so, um looked pretty good and with walker out for the start of the season you know potentially he'll get a gig up at center half forward um Pretty young, but, you know, big boy and look to be crashing packs pretty well. Not that there's too many packs to crash in the AFLX format.
0: As you said, it was sort of bruise-free footy. But another player I want to throw in there is uh, Riley Bonner for Port. You see Port, who had a lot of sort of running options last year, Pittard and... They've got players like Trengove who have been training down there at the moment. See Bono, who played three really solid games at the end of last year. He came in and his disposal by foot was elite in this game. And not only that, but he put a few players over on their arse with a few bumps, which is something he's not really known for and something that really the commentators um, really took notice of.
1: Yeah, it should be a tough 22 to crack into this year, Ports. So we'll see how he goes. Another one. Another player who played pretty well, but, you know, probably have a bit of trouble cracking into the 22, perhaps, is Tim Kelly. Um, Looked pretty good for the Cats. Uh, Obviously, no Dangerfield, no Ablett, no Selwood out there on the field to compete with, but he did look pretty good running through the middle.
0: Yeah, really sort of suited to the level. He didn't look out of his depth. He looked like he had a body that could suit the game and um, sort of more athletic than I thought he he would be on the ground. And I think he'll play. I think he'll play straight away for the Cats. And for those who are interested in Supercoach, I wouldn't be surprised if he lines up in Mm -hmm. round one. Another one of the cats that sort of caught my eye was uh, Blitzabs, who's running with the bleached blonde hair. He's trying to get a bit of the uh, notice from the Brownlow voters or something there. It's a bit of an interesting look, but he's really well suited to this format of the game.
1: Yeah, speaking of players who are potentially going to play round one, Willy Rioli looked pretty impressive for the West Coast Eagles. Um, kicked a few goals and did notice that he managed to get the dab off after one of them.
0: Yeah, I was like, oh, this this guy's really exciting. He might be one of my new favorite players until he did the uh, quick dab after one of his goals and that sort of turned off him a bit. But sort of he is the excitement machine that sort of Port, uh, West Coast said that he that he will be and I wouldn't be surprised if he kicks 30 goals this year. He's got that that sort of a talent. Um, another West Coast boy that I, I was really impressed with in that game was Precious Sally, who was in the last draft class. He was the fastest 20-meter sprinter at the last sort of uh, combine and he was really well suited to this game with his speed, and he managed to kick a few goals, so better sort of game sense and kicking than I thought I would see.
1: Staying out west, uh, for freeo, I noticed Brad Hill looking in pretty good, Nick. Um, yeah, probably one of the players who's more suited to the AFLX format, I'd say.
0: Yeah, I'd say he was one of the best 10 AFL players that we saw over the over the few rounds of games he was really well suited to it because we all know he's fast but some of his field kicking in those games was absolutely incredible he's able to hit the targets and run around the ground and that's sort of what we saw from all the games that you have to be able to cover the ground everyone was coming off really puffed but people who had the running capacity like the Brad Hills and the Whitfields are the ones that we really saw shine on the day one of the players going back to the younger kids that we saw we finally got an answer for you Bill it's Dude. Tom Dude is how we're going to say it. How the commentator said it, at least, for for Adelaide. And he took some good intercepts on the day.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with De Dewey. Um, I like it a bit better, but... <laughs> um, yeah, no, good to know how to pronounce that one. And uh, yeah, look, look to play. I'm expecting him to slot into Lever's role, I believe.
0: And what did you make for like a game for big men? Um, this is sort of a game that seemed to be the small running types. Were there any big men that sort of played on the weekend that sort of looked at like sort of looked comfortable playing in the aflx format
1: yes there are a few i already mentioned harry dear who you know showed a few glimpses and looked quite impressive but probably the standout for me would be mckernan um for the dons um just looked in really good touch so um took mark after mark after mark and you know he's been sort of one of those players on the fringes you know a bit in and out of the side and obviously looks in pretty good nick at the moment to hopefully cement a spot in the dons best 22 this year
0: Yeah, he played really well. Uh, A couple of other names that I'll throw in there when we're looking at more of the uh, Hawthorne team that lined up. I thought Sicily took a lot of good contested marks staying on that sort of big players who could kick a long ball but also play that defensive role. He was really good. And one that I think will play a lot of games this year is uh, Warpool from the latest draft class over at um, Hawthorne. We thought... Maybe you'll get a look into that midfield, which is a little weak over at, um, over at the Hawks, but his pressure tackling was immense, and I really think that he'll probably start as that small forward pressure player who can go into the midfield at times, and he'll play round one, I think.
1: Uh, we'll wrap up our, our AFLX talk, Lee. We'll just give you an opportunity to run through a few quick names for those of you uh, out there who are listening who may be interested for supercoach reasons, um, people who you know maybe are Looking to cement a spot in the Best 22 or maybe, you know, as a a rookie or something, crack it and get a few games this year?
0: Yeah, I'll see see what I have. Um, In terms of we'll run through a few different teams, the Saints that played, Timmy Membry was a horror matchup for everyone on the ground. He kicked a few goals and he really is agile and reads the play really well in the air, which makes him a very difficult person to match up on, and I think we'll see him kick a lot of goals this year. Um, On the younger side of things for the Saints, um, Joshy Battle looked really big. He looks like he's put on a lot of weight. And um, Caulfield had some really good field plays, so he looked really promising. Um, For North, Higgins was their standout, and I think that um, Billy Hartung got a lot of the ball there, so he might be an interesting player for them this year in terms of accumulating a few more touches than he has in the past. Uh, Moving on to some of the Saturday teams we saw, I think that um, Timmy English had some good moments, so in terms of a bench option for a Supercoach Ruck, he had some um, good touches out there, and maybe we'll get a few games. Um, Eddie Richards uh, was another one for the Dogs that we saw play and um, his decision making at time wasn't the best but um, how he moved the ball and uh, managed to get the ball from the back line was really impressive um, For GWS, I thought just Whitfield all eyes were on Whitfield he's an absolute jet um, big things from him this year and I know he's not a top price super coach um, mid so anyone who's looking for that sort of second tier sort of midfielder he, um, he was really impressive um, what about from the Brisbane boys Bill are there any others that you saw from that um, Saturday game that really took your eye
1: yeah so Mitch Robinson as I mentioned um, kicked a winning goal and, and he played pretty well in, in one of his first games back from injury but one of the younger kids uh, still pretty young is Tommy Cutler um, he was a bit out of in and out of the side last year didn't really get a, too many games in the back half of the season but he's definitely got talent and uh, yeah looked really good in this format uh, I think he kicked a few goals and you know got a few touches around the ground looks to be moving pretty well.
0: One thing I did notice watching that uh, Saturday game on the TV was that um, they had uh, Heath Shaw there as special commentary, and that might be one of the worst special commentators I've ever heard. First of all, it sounds like he's on Twitter as or had 20 beers or something. He talks really slow and slurred and really odd. It was really, really awkward to hear him. But one of my favourite moments from the broadcast was when he was up in the crowd doing a bit of a roaming BT style. Talking to the GWS players that were in the grandstands. He went up to Dawson Simpson, who was wearing a, a Roger um, Federer hat, one of the RF hats. And Shaw goes up to him and he's like, Oh, I'm wearing a Roger Federer hat. Might go play some golf later. And Simpson's like, Federer plays tennis. <laughs> and Shaw's like, Yeah, tennis. <laughs> and then, it, then they just come back to the play. It was one of the most awkward things I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I mean, good on Heath for having a go, but didn't really put in the best performance of his career on that one.
0: Just a couple of other names that had really outstanding performances. Obviously, Jake Melksham for Melbourne. He was outstanding. He kicked six goals from his three matches, and he's going to be playing a lot more games up forward, so he might be one to watch this year to kick a few more goals than um, we thought he would. And um, for Gold Coast, I thought Bowles is someone who might step up into that midfield this year without, um, without Ablett there. We'll talk a little bit more about sort of like the the spectacle that the AFL built around it. Um, what did you make of the whole circus people that they had on the sides, like the fake strong men and the people on stilts that were just walking around the side of the ground?
1: Um, honestly, it's a bit of a joke. Um, I think it's a, a poor look.
0: It was really weird. Like they had like, you know, like short statured people and like the people like wearing like leotards and. It's got nothing to do with footy or really anything and I was just really confused about the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. It's like obviously, you know, you go to the Big Bash cricket and they got the the fire and the cheerleaders and stuff. So obviously something along those lines. But yeah, not really something that, that I think is, is too good a look for the game.
0: I think just in the end the gameplay just sort of it looked a bit like sort of like an NBA all star game sort of thing where everyone was just happy to sort of score and show off a bit and not really tackle and Makes me wonder whether there's if there was something online, do you think we would have seen a very different game played? Maybe if they had something to play for, do you think we would have seen a more tackling, aggressive style of play where people tried a bit
1: harder? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously it's a pre-season game, so players taking it pretty easy. Um, you know, I will note though that regardless of you know intensity and stuff, Brisbane still would have beaten Richmond and, and Sydney <laughs> and, and GWS in our pool, like no doubt about that. But uh, yeah, no, obviously you, you'll see different gameplay if you get some of the stars playing.
0: Yeah, did you go out and celebrate hard after both your women's, like, won their game and your boys won the AFLX, surely winning the AFLX title is right up there with the best things you've ever done?
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I've seen three flags so far, so, you know, three and counting, but, um, yeah, you know, it's probably fourth on the list of uh, our achievements in my lifetime, but, um, no, obviously, you know, I was pretty happy to see the women get up. um, AFLX, you know, it's it's nice that we won, but not too fussed about it. Did you see the
0: trophy, the AFLX trophy as well?
1: Yeah, just the big X. It was like...
0: It was like a big blue X, like really weird, like it wasn't made to look like a trophy. It was like fluorescent blue. And they turn around its side and it's about half a mil thick, I reckon. Like the AFL couldn't get anything thicker than Balsall to make their trophy out of.
1: Yeah, cut and cost several, I think, these days.
0: So we really didn't see a Dangerfield or anyone play. Was there anyone around the league that you thought um, would have been really well suited after seeing the sort of style of play and who would have been able to really have an impact out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a few obvious candidates, and, you know, they're generally your better players in the league. So, obviously, you know, with the super the goal from 40 meters, someone like Buddy, who's just pinging them from 60 on the regular, um, looked pretty good. Um, for me, it's pretty hard to bring up Buddy without mentioning Eric Hipwood. Um, sort of Buddy 2.0 at this stage looks like it. Got good pace, and obviously, again, like, pinging them from a long way. Um, just to mention another Brisbane boy, I think, Dane Zorko, with, you know, a lot of pace, and uh, obviously good ball use and all that, so... Those are a few players, the ones that are picking them from outside 50, outside 40, I guess, on the Zoopers, on the regular, would be pretty valuable.
0: Yeah, a couple of the names I had listed down was alongside Zorco, you like your Parkers, your Billings, your Robbie Gray, those sort of forwards that can really kick goals and kick the ball, forward of center, I think they're really well suited. The other sort of player we sort of saw do really well here is sort of like the Endurance Kings, so sort of like your know, Scullies from GWS maybe would have been very good at this format.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously the other um, half of the game is your defense, and there's a few running defender types that would obviously be pretty handy to have out there. You Rory Laird, um Sam Doherty, uh Batchel Hooley, and Jason Johannesson, um, I think are four that, that spring to mind. Do you
0: think the key defenders would have a role in this as well? Have you had like your Hurleys and Rancers that are still very good field kicks and long kicks? Would they be well-suited as well, or would you more stack your team with that small sort of running defenders and sort of just hope that they can defend taller than their stature?
1: Yeah, I think there's still a place for them. I mean, you know, as long as there's someone like Buddy out there for one team, you're going to need someone like a Hurley, um, for example, to try and shut them down. So they're important, but I mean, you know, obviously people want to see uh people like Buddy kicking goals, so that's probably what's going to draw the fans in. I've
0: got a sort of idea for you with the AFLX. Sort of the way I think it would be better received by the fans is maybe if you wait till the buy before finals, and you have a few teams running out there playing um, sort of not the AFL players. You get some other people out there. So you have, like, one group of people who are maybe the recently retired players who could still play. You could get your, sort of like, your Montagnas and Rewaltz, You can get your, your Brent Harveys and Sam Mitchells out there running around to have a game, and you can sort of see those old boys go again. Do you think that'd be a bit better?
1: Look, man, put me out there. Um, yeah, I mean, anyone. It, it, it's an exciting format. It's an exciting game, so... Um Regardless of who's playing, I think people probably tune in if there's no other footy on. But for the most part, you know, I'm just keen to watch the natural football.
0: You could also get like the group that play like that. EJ Witten's game. You get like you get Cappa out there. You get like Acker Ackermanis yeah, Acker. out there. Acker he would there. he would live it up. He would be doing. He'd be trying to do like handstands after his goals, and the ball's already down the other end, and capra will be you know trying to take speckies even though he's 100 years old and get your players like get your strawnies out there and a few celebrities and it might be better better spectacle to watch than that ej witten style game you can watch anthony rocker you know try and launch a talk from like the defensive line or something
1: yeah, it would be interesting to see how some of the old boys go with the, the pace of the game but yeah it could be good
0: yeah i think with the sort of with them not being able to run, you're still going to see as much of the open spaces, and they're not going to tackle anyway, so I'll be interested to see if the AFL tries to line that up later in the year, or even maybe in, say, the buy round, they bring in an AFL women's all-star, AFL-X, and sort of, if they're going to try and roll this out, they're going to have to keep peppering it into the um, into the fans and into the viewers, so I'll be interested to see if we see it again before years out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Interesting to see how, um, how heavily they push it from here on in, so... Obviously, we've had the debut of it and then seen the format for a bit, but yeah, I'm definitely interested to see how heavy they push this as a format.
0: Segwaying in from the women maybe playing the AFLX, we had another round of the AFLW go last week, and um, neither of us went too too crash-holding the tips, actually.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I narrowly edged you out. I got two out of four, so 50 percent's not not too bad.
0: My one out of four is probably a week to forget. Um, we had a few games that were, were tight um, and could have gone either way, and they just fell the wrong way. So just a quick recap is we had the Crows go over the Dogs, um, which we both got wrong. We had the Lions beat the Blues, which was the one that we both got correct. Um, You got right, the Giants beating the Pies. And we both lost Frio getting over the Red Hot Demons.
1: Yeah, so just starting from the top, obviously the Crows getting over the Dogs. um, Pretty much a bit of a one-woman performance. Um, We mentioned in the past couple of weeks, Erin Phillips being missing from the side, and she's come back and slotted four goals straight away.
0: She just came back, and here I am. I'm the best player in the league. In case anyone Anything. was wondering, or anyone forgot, or all those people who didn't list me as the most likely to win the Brownlow this year, um, I'm the best out here. As you said, she kicked four goals, two in the game, and she's now fifth in the Coleman. So she's two goals against the Coleman uh, off the Coleman leader uh, with six, and she's only played one game.
1: Yeah, obviously, pretty impressive from her to um, just come back and and yeah, four goals. I think. One in each quarter maybe, but um yeah, very impressive and obviously helped the Crows to their first win of the season over a good side in the doggies.
0: Yeah, so it was six five forty one over five four thirty four and the game was really there to be won with two minutes left. We had a we had a tie game and we had one of the most amazing sort of run of events going into the two minute mark to go. We had the ball go into the dog's forward 50. Katie Brennan, one of their best players, picks up the ball 55 out. Um, One player streaming into the 50. She wheels around to try and kick it into them, uh, which would have gone in for a score for the lead with a minute to go. And as she's turning around, she pops something in her ankle, chucks the little handball away and falls to the ground grabbing her ankle crows pick it up go to the other end of the ground score and the siren goes and the game's over and it just sort of just turned like that where the dogs had it won and then their best player goes down with an ankle and they lose the game
1: yeah so obviously double whammy there for the dogs um pretty disappointing to see katie brennan go down with an injury she missed a lot of or close to all of last season um, from memory and obviously in really good form um this year so Yeah, very disappointing from, obviously, Dog's perspective and and just from a general AFLW perspective to see her go down.
0: And I think those games she missed last year was also from an ankle injury, so um, I don't think it's come out yet the extent of this injury or whether it's on the same ankle, but, um, yeah, everyone's thinking of Katie Brennan, and hopefully it's not as serious as it looked. Um, Along with Phillips, the Crows had a bunch of other good players in that um, game, and one that I really want to bring up is Alan, who was in defense. She was The Dogs were putting the ball into 50 over and over again in that last few minutes, and she was spoiling and marking everything in sight. Everything that went in there, she took it away, and she was was outstanding.
1: Yeah, um, Adelaide had quite a few good players. Another one, Chelsea Randall, obviously the captain. um, Second in touches, first in meters game, first in contested possessions, and first in AFL fantasy points. So she's racking up the numbers. Uh, I believe she's sitting equal second at the moment in the coaches' votes. Um, it's a very impressive season for her, and it'll be interesting to see if she can continue that form with Erin Phillips back in the side now.
0: We'll move on to the second game, which was Brisbane over um, the Blues. They won at 6 four forty over 2 six eighteen. 18 You watch this one, I bet, Bill?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love watching the girls play, and uh, they're, thankfully the win over Carlton this week has put us now with the esteemed honor of having wins over every other side in the competition. So nabbed wins over every other team last year except Carlton, who we drew with, and managed to get over them by... Or was it, about 20 points?
0: Yeah, 22 in the end, and I think the thing that got you over the line was um, really watching the game, I saw that Brisbane's um, handballing skills and sort of running past the player to receive the ball was better than anyone else I've seen in the women's competition. Players like Ashmore, who can give that handball out in front of the runner to stream past, um, the ability to get that ball from the wing up forward really quickly was the difference.
1: Yes, yeah, so that's been the case from, from day one really. So even speaking in terms of last year, um the Brisbane the girls have just looked really well drilled as a unit. Um, yeah, obviously running and linking up with each other, holding structure very well and, and always having a player free to, to get the ball to.
0: Another defender I want to highlight is Moody for the Blues, and that first quarter she was another one who sort of had the ball on a magnet where everything that went inside fifty, she was able to able to mark it and rebound back out, and she was really impressive. She missed a couple of um, targets by foot, but just her presence and her ability to win one-on-ones in the defense was impressive.
1: Yeah, so defenders all around in this game, playing pretty well. As you said, Moody um, did quite well down there for the Blues, and and Leah Kasler did a great job for the Lions, um, keeping Taylor Harris to nine touches, uh, gathered nine touches herself, and and Taylor Harris only able to manage one behind.
0: Speaking of Taylor Harris, um, first suspension for her in the AFLW, she's going to miss a week for might might be the softest punch i've ever seen she was sort of on the ground with a player on top of her and sort of swung her arm and hit her in the back of her head and and got a week from um the new match review panel what do you make of uh that decision
1: yes it seemed like a bit, it was f- first quarter i think first or second quarter but it did seem like a bit of a frustration move kasler had just spoiled her again in another marking contest and and was you know pretty tight on her and a bit disappointed in the punch from from taylor um on, on two accounts, obviously, one, because, you know, you shouldn't really be throwing punches, and, and two, because, as you mentioned, pretty weak punch. And I've been seeing her on Instagram training boxing a lot, and, you know, I thought she would have had a bit of a better hook on her, but apparently not.
0: <laughs> but the one thing that comes out of this and sticks in my mind, this is, this is the first taste we're getting of the new single-person match review decision um, that we're going to see in the AFL Men's No More review panel. We're going to get the match review officer making all these decisions. And he gave Harris the one week for the soft punch to the head and we saw um, Cox in a in a later game get a reprimand for a gut punch that left um, Ellie Blackburn on the ground so you've got a little punch to the head where I'm not even sure the player noticed that they got hit and they weren't hurt and there was nothing really that went on and affected the rest of the game and you got another player throwing a full-blown punch to the body leaving the player on the ground unable to get to the next contest and it's not a week so they're still sticking with that if you hit them high at all it's way worse than if you cause serious damage to the body, and I don't really subscribe to all of that logic.
1: Yeah, so it seems like just a continuation of the AFL's sort of the head is sacrosanct sort of um, ideology or viewpoint that they've been taking towards suspensions for a while now, but, you know, we're all pretty familiar, I imagine, with the fact that the suspensions from the AFL are, you know, pretty much a bit of a crapshoot. You, you just get what you get.
0: Yeah, I think... I would just like to see any any punch one week, like, we don't really need it, and especially one that leaves one of the stars of the game, Ellie Blackburn, on her hands and knees and not able to get to that next contest, I don't see why that shouldn't have been a week. So
1: we we'll move on to the next game, but before we do, I just uh, note one other player who played pretty well, Nat Exxon, against her old side, so she was part of the Taylor Harris deal and moved up to Brisbane, and she had a pretty good game, 11 touches, 4 marks, 7 tackles and a goal. And, uh, yeah, I had to double-check who she was out there on the field because she was rocking a pretty sweet mullet.
0: (laughs) Uh, Was that her? I actually saw her, and I saw, oh, that's a really, really nice mullet.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, strong mullet and strong game from that excellent, so (laughs) well done.
0: Hopefully she keeps it. We need a few uh, crazy hairstyles to follow. We'll move on to GWS now. they got their first win of the season over the winless Pies. They won that 7-6-48 against the Pies 5-5-35.
1: Yeah, so this is the, uh, the difference in, you know, separating the, the great tipsters from, you know, just the average ones, <laughs> um, picking these sort of tough games, and yeah, good to see GWS get, uh, get up over the pies.
0: So I sort of, last week, I said I'd tip the pies because I thought Mo Hope would come back on fire and kick a couple of goals and that'd be enough, and she sort of did. She kicked two goals and one really, really fancy snap from the pocket, and... Um, she was sort of back into the action she didn't have a heap of touches but kicking a couple of goals is what we expected from her when she first came into the league but it really wasn't enough for the pies Um, TWS had more firepower and more attack out of the middle
1: yeah so as you mentioned that attack out of the middle they had uh, 37 inside 50s to 18 so more than double and you know obviously if you're having those sort of numbers you're probably going to get the score on the board to win the game
0: And not only that, um, GWS played a full four-quarter effort and they piled on four goals in the last quarter and um, that's sort of where the game was won.
1: A few stars for GWS. So One of them was Gum, once again playing a really good game and 15 disposers and two goals.
0: We'll move on to the next game, which was Freo getting the job done over the the Demons. They won that six goals none, 36, over the Demons 4-7-31 and straight kicking wins football.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, really good game for uh, Freo to get that win. Um, I believe Demons were probably favourites for the Premiership before that game. Maybe they still are, but obviously a huge win for the Fremantle Footy Club.
0: Emily Maguire was probably the talking point of this game, where she was on debut. She kicked two goals, including, including one really important one late in the game, to help get Freo over the line.
1: Yeah, um, from a Melbourne point of view, I've obviously been paying pretty close attention to Daisy Pierce, having tipped her for the Brownlow equivalent. Um, she had 24 touches, but in my watching, she didn't really have a huge impact on the game. I believe she had 12 of those 24 touches in the second quarter when when Fremantle actually came back a bit. So um, she was rewarded with nine coaches' votes, but for me, it was one of her weaker games. Um, she is now sitting though on on 18 total, so leading the coaches' votes, one ahead of Kearney and Randall on 17.
0: I have seen a few videos of her on Facebook giving big don't argues though, so it's good to see somebody bringing that into the women's game and um, putting a few people over with the with the stiff arm.
1: We'll have a look at the makeup of the league at the moment, halfway through the season now, three games in. Um, obviously, pretty short season, important to get the wins on the board, and looks at the moment like the Giants, potentially even the Crows and the Pies, are all going to struggle to make the grand final with uh, either two or three losses out of those three games.
0: Yeah, I think at the start of the year, I tipped um, Dogs and the Demons to make the grand final, and I think that's looking pretty good at the moment. I'm really liking how the Dogs are playing, but with Katie Brennan going down, it sort of opened up the race a bit more, I think.
1: Yeah, so we've got five teams at the moment, uh, Lions, Dees, Dogs, Blues and Freo, all on two wins and one loss, and we'll have a better idea probably of, of which of those teams are really going to stake a claim for the grand final next week when the Dogs play the Blues and the Lions play Fremantle.
0: Yeah, of that bunch, I'd say probably uh, Brisbane's the one that's surprising me a bit at the moment. They're moving the ball really well, and that gives them a chance to win a lot of games, and it seems like they've still got options up there despite Taylor Harris leaving. Um, yeah, at the moment I'd say probably I'd switch my dogs out for the Lions just because of the Katie Brennan factor, but um, it still is pretty open, which is nice where we've still got a few of those 50-50 games that will probably decide who's in that grand final.
1: So we did go through the season last year undefeated, mate. So you know, not too much of a surprise, I wouldn't hope. But uh,
0: mate, in the first podcast, I'm pretty sure you said it's not surprising that we're down in the ranks and no one's tipping us.
1: Yeah, this is true. And that said, though, I will uh, be tipping us this week. So I'll start us off on our tips for this week. Um, it's not the first game, but I do have the Lions over Fremantle.
0: Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Lions as well. Um, Fremantle super impressive, and if they keep kicking only goals and no behinds, then they're probably probably going to um, win a few more games than we expect, but I'm going to go Brisbane as well.
1: Just looking over your shoulder here, Liam, we've got the exact same tips for this round. Um, so we've both got the Dogs over the Blues, um, the Ds over the Pies, and the Crows over GWS.
0: Yeah, you probably just looked down at my tips and went, ooh, they look pretty good. I'm going to stick with those ones.
1: I don't think I'm going to be copying tips off someone who's what, two, <laughs> two tips down now, but... Um, you know I'm preserving my lead
0: yeah well it looks like I won't be getting any um, any tips back on you this week but for anyone watching the games they look like pretty safe bets from both of our tips there so a couple to watch out for we'll close out um, our show this week with um, the big talking point of the week which that which is how we usually finish and this week I'm going to say it's that the AFL uh, released that there were nine million dollar men last season so nine players who were who are um, earning one million dollars i'm going to get you to take a few guesses at some of those players from last season and whether you can guess the nine that are sort of rumored to be the ones that um, were getting the dollars <coughs>
1: all right put me on the spot i think first one tommy boyd
0: tommy boyd was in there yeah
1: Yep. Yeah. all right um buddy franklin
0: uh buddy franklin was in there
1: how many did you say there was nine nine all right um scotty pendlebury correct Dusty Martin?
0: Dusty Martin, no, but probably that. with his new yeah, contract he'll be in there.
1: Alright, um, Paddy Dangerfield, perhaps?
0: Uh, Paddy Dangerfield was not mentioned in this list. Nat five. Nat five was in there.
1: So what, that's four I've four got? Four of them. Alright, um... Geez, it's that's uh, tough. Joel Selwood, perhaps?
0: Uh, Joel Selwood not in the list. One of your Brisbane boys made the cut, though.
1: That's hard to believe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Dane Beams.
0: Dan Beams was the Brisbane man, so that's five.
1: All right, interesting. Um, give so us you, some clubs, can, mate. You're oh. going to
0: have two players from um, the Gold Coast and two mm. Melbourne boys as well. Not from this is from, from last year, so
1: Gary Ablett Gary the Ablett Gold Coast to be one of them.
0: the other Gold Coast player.
1: Uh, it's got to be Tommy Lynch.
0: Tommy Lynch, correct. And then you've got a Essendon and a Richmond player in that list. Oh,
1: uh, Richmond... It's got to be Cochin, I guess, and uh, Essendon. It's maybe Michael Hurley. Michael Hurley, correct. Yeah, so done.
0: not not fully released by the AFL, but that's the rumor going around that people in the know have looked at looked at the books and they think that these are probably the nine men who were making the money last season. And um, as you mentioned before, Dusty Martin's the obvious one that's going to jump into the million dollars in the next season um so we'll see sort of which other players join in with the way that they're sort of making contracts weighted to one year or the other you're obviously going to see some people like Tom Boyd I think most of his money will be done and he'll be on the on the downslope from here whereas other players will be moving up on the way they weighted their contracts I'm
1: actually going to bring up my own talking point of the week here Liam (laughs) a bit of a counterpoint for the week um as you may have heard by now on the podcast, I've been talking up for a while now that Brisbane are playing St Kilda in round one and um, I'm liking our chances of getting up there and I found an interesting stat this week and that is that uh, the Saints lost all five games that they played last year without Nick Rewop. How does that make you feel about your round one chances?
0: Not too worried, not too worried to be honest. I mean, we played a lot of games last year where Nick didn't play and Montagna didn't play and I really thought that it was sort of a good lead into this year. And
1: But you lost was- them all.
0: Lost them all, but, you know, who were they against? They were probably against some out opposition. And um I don't know, I'm not, I'm not too worried. It was funny when we were talking about round one matchups and we were sort of looking at which ones were locked in, like you always have Carlton Richmond, and we sort of said that the Saints might have the Swans, and I was like, no, nah, I want a couple of easy ones to sort of start up the year and get a few wins. And we came up with Brisbane and North in round two, which I was pretty happy with, but... Yeah, watching your boys in uh, in the AFLX, you were up and about and expecting big things. So we'll see come round one, but I'm still pretty confident.
1: Yes, as you mentioned, some good AFLX form. Managed to take out the uh, the Sydney Cup, whatever you want to call it. Um, AFLW team back on top of the ladder at the moment. So, you know, all smooth sailing from here. Signed up all the young kids. And, uh, yeah, I think the, uh, the machine's marching on for a round one victory. Lock it up.
0: We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. But what that um, point I brought up about winning... Those first two easy games, which is what I wanted from our fixture, was to sort of get members on board and make sure you get a lot of people on board. But another, another stat that came out during the week is that Richmond's already beat their record total of members, already more than last year, already more than you've seen. I think closing in on 75,000 members at the moment. So it's absolutely incredible and we're, we're just going to see, we haven't even hit here games yet.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised by this. As soon as the grand final was done, I was telling people they're going to have 90,000 members this year, and I'm I'm still sticking to that. I think they're going to crack the 90,000 mark, which is above and beyond um, what we've seen from any club before.
0: So we'll wait and see. I think the other thing to watch this year is um, whether Richmond sort of makes that transition into being that club that was everyone's second team, everyone liked them. If they're getting all these fans on board and get a few people getting ahead of themselves, I'll be really interested to see if people sort of start turning off them if they keep having a bit more success.
1: That's all we got for you this week. We'll be back next week to discuss some of the JLT Community Series games, obviously continue our discussion of the AFLW season, and maybe make a few season predictions, um, some wild calls, and, and see how we go with those for the 2018 football season.